Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, nine volumes available in paperback and audio format at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. So please go out there, take advantage of what I've done and enjoy the ride. And may I now introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing all right, Bill. How about you? Uh, pretty good. I know you've been a busy bee, and I've been a busy bee as well. <laughs> yeah, I've been flying all over the place, and I will apologize to our listeners tonight. I got a little bit of a allergy cough. So uh, I may be hacking now and then, so I'll apologize in advance. Uh, And with these 85-degree temperatures today here, everything is out. All of the trees are blooming, and the pollen is going nuts. 85 degrees there today? Yeah, 84, 85. Crazy. Wow, man. Either broke or tied the record. Well, I need some of that, boy, I'll tell you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kev, uh, the listeners are probably unaware. How would they know? I haven't told them. But uh, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had Joe G. And Joe G., you know who you are up in uh, Dutchess County, New York. Joe invited me to have a Zoom meeting with three fourth grade classes. <laughs> it, it was outrageous. And there we are in this four-way split screen. Each each classroom had their own segment of the screen, their own uh, camera. And uh, I read them some uh, Bigfoot stories and answered questions for them and uh, just really tried to be a source of inspiration and encouragement. That's awesome. It, Kev, it was freaking phenomenal. You didn't get anybody expelled, did you? Well, not that I know of. <laughs> I wasn't encouraging any uh, type of bad behavior. All right. And uh, so after the fact, uh, the teachers uh, sent me out a bag of uh, Sasquatch coffee. Nice. <laughs> And the kids, Kev, 
the kids put together an envelope full of letters to me. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, with all of their renderings of Sasquatch and Bigfoot footprints, man, I'm telling you. Oh, that is awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Great man. job. Yeah, so who would have thunk? You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's an amazing thing that uh, the road we're traveling down is just amazing. I know, it's crazy, boy. That's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You should have seen these little rascals on the camera. Hi, Mr. Sheehan. My name is Ernie. (laughs) What's your favorite cryptid? (laughs) (laughs) And did you tell him? Yeah. Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome, Bill. I forgot you were doing that. Yeah, no, really, really cool. And uh, folks, if you got anything up your sleeve out there, you can always give me a call. Super. And you know, I'm still puzzled, Kev. So many people uh, write in and uh, give you the invite for their podcast or their show. Uh, and I asked them, you know, give me a call. I never hear from them. <laughs> uh, they, they probably got a schedule like me. Yeah, well, Don't I mean, mad for, at folks, if you're out there and you're trying to get in touch with me, uh, if you're not open to a phone call, you're not getting in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if somebody can't spend the time to have a chat with another human being, you're out of my wheelhouse. I'm right there, though, Bill. I'm one of those guys. People call yeah. me, and I'm like, man, when I'm on the plane all day and yeah, in the car and with other people where I can't talk, it's just like, oh. No. You know. People communicate with their mouths and their voices. Got it? Yeah. <laughs> I understand that a text message can be handy, but I don't want to be having conversations uh, with machinery. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just that way, folks. Anyways, Kev, so 85 degrees, I'm at about 40, so I'm less than 50% of what you got. <laughs> but uh, what do we have in our cryptids well, in first, the news? Did, Go you, ahead. did you see any mysterious balloons overhead this week? <laughs> Actually, I didn't. Uh, me neither. I didn't were- hear of any either, <laughs> but I, uh, I was hanging out with some techies this week, some of my yeah. cronies. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about them, of course, and I did learn something. You know, one of my friends was talking about the fact that um, they can't shoot down these balloons when they're up at like fifty or 60,000 feet because the air is actually so thin that even if they use uh, bullets, the bullets do put holes in the balloon, but the balloon doesn't come down. Isn't because the weird? air is so thin that it doesn't drop like dramatically, even after it gets some holes in it. So they actually have to kind of rip it apart. No kidding. Yeah, that's what they were saying. They discovered it, I guess, not in this crisis, but another time uh, they were saying that Canada was flying some high altitude balloons and Canada was trying to knock them down and the bullets went right through it, but didn't... Uh, didn't uh, kind of let a significant amount of the gas out of them. No, wouldn't you think they'd be filled with a helium or oh, something? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm saying, like, at that altitude, that temperature or whatever, that helium's kind of staying put, basically. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So it, even though there's a hole in it, for the most part, it's staying contained in the rest of the wrapper, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, not enough for enough of it to come out to have it sink at that point. So I don't know. You know, folks out there, if we got any scientists out there that know this stuff, uh, but that's what a couple of guys I know were talking about. So, Well, let me tell you something, Slick. All you need is 60 seconds of 20 mil coming out of a Gatling gun, <laughs> and that'll give you enough holes to let the gas out. I was going to say, I was thinking might tear it in half. Uh, that's the idea, isn't it? But those Raptor pilots, they like to fly, fire those missiles, too. <laughs> They're a little more fun. <laughs> All right, Bill. So this week, Encrypted's in the News and Other Oddities, we are staying in the skies. Okay. And we're going to be talking about the mystery. <laughs> yeah, the mystery around the Phoenix Lights, or what are sometimes called the Lights Over Phoenix, which was a mass UFO sighting back on March 13th in 1997. Yeah, I remember the flux over that, and that was quite an event. Yes, yeah, super event. So mm-hmm. a lot of people all across the state for about 106 minutes saw this uh, mysterious triangle, triangular-shaped object all, again, all across the state. Kind of looked like a carpenter's square, only at about a 60-degree angle and moving toward the point very slowly. Now, Kev, uh, are we talking about the... Half dozen parachuters with flames on their heels that just didn't seem to fall from the sky? I, I Someone said maybe it was someone <laughs> launching helium balloons with flares on them. You mean the Chinese lanterns? No, well, I did read about maybe it was bears that were launching <laughs> balloons with flares on them. Because when you don't know what it is, it's usually a bear. Yeah, you usually resort to a bear. <laughs> yes. Uh, Could have been well, some flying bears, too. Yeah, yeah. I heard there uh, are well, some of those. I haven't seen them yet. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you got on the uh, Phoenix Lights? Yeah, so this is, um, you know, there's. it's interesting. Like a lot of these UFO sightings, there's a lot of, like, explanation for it. But yet, at the time... You know, everyone's seeing it. They're calling the airport. They're calling the FAA. They're calling the police. They're launching planes, and no one can see anything. And Uh then after the fact, they're like, oh, they were uh, a formation of A-10 warthogs that were flying around. It's like, (laughs) I don't think so. Like, I saw the footage of this. And one thing that is tricky, I will acknowledge, is that in uh, Phoenix and other places with – very high visibility. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's not uncommon as long as there's not a lot of smog where you can see a couple of hundred miles yeah. in the sky. And I know when I lived out in Phoenix, when I first saw all of the planes lining up in the distance to land at Sky Harbor Airport out there in Phoenix, I thought it was a UFO because you see this string of white lights. Just and going out. Moving. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're yeah. coming in to land. But you're seeing, you know, them, especially with that bright landing light on a jet, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing it from a couple hundred miles away. So it's not moving up or down or toward you or away from you. 
And then the next one that's closer looks a little lower and so on and so on. So it looks like this string of lights. Yeah. This didn't look like that, but I, I will for our listeners out there, you know, having lived out there, you do see some strange stuff in the sky, but not like this. Have you ever seen a flying bear? Uh, no. Well, look, and you'll see one. Only if it's stepped on like a catapult. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean, and... Uh, to the untrained eye, there are many things that you can see looking heavenward uh, that can be a mind boggler, you know, until right. you you become familiar with, wow, what is that? Oh, that's an airplane, you know? Right. So it looks like this perfect V, though, like not 90 degrees, maybe 60 degrees is the mm -hmm. angle. And uh, so I started looking at reading about this and other stuff and other ideas and uh it's pretty interesting i don't know if you ever saw this bill but there's an article the one i'm going to talk about a lot comes from uh, uh an article called the war zone okay. and it was published back in 2020 february 2020 by a guy named brett tingley and um he's talking about these balloons that were made, uh, not balloons like we think of. So I'll tell you about it, and I'll put one up on the website under this episode, 188 on uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, um, by a guy named John Powell, who founded a company called JP Aerospace in the late 70s. Okay. And what JP was trying to do was to build more affordable methods of reaching space instead of like rockets and he's pretty you know this guy's a genius and you know he was saying back then that you know we were really all we ever looked at was using you know basically a ballistic missile to go to space but he had this idea that you could float into space and it would be much safer so you have like a giant um airship lighter than air that would actually go very slowly up into space away from the gravity of the earth and it would have some small engines on it that would allow it to maneuver and it's pretty cool like his theory was it would be much much safer because if anything went wrong on the way up you could just stop and fix it or return to earth versus you know sitting on top of you know uh, a million pounds of uh you know, rocket fuel and lighten a fuse. Now, you know. pardon my ignorance, but isn't there like a boundary layer as you elevate away from Earth, say in a balloon, where you could just not lift anymore? Right. So he had, you know, combination of uh, engines and these specially shaped balloons. But what's really interesting, Bill, when you see one of these... Uh, there's a picture of one that's inside of a giant hangar. It's 175 feet long, and it's shaped like a V with about a 60-degree angle in the front of it, and it has big lights on the bottom of it. Wow, that's interesting. Really interesting. And when were these viable? When, in, when was one of these ever launched in the, uh, in the 70s now they never went to space or anything like that um but uh he 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 said that the plan for it to orbit was the the it would consist of three stages during the first stages 
The gigantic V-shaped airship rises from the Earth's surface to an altitude of about 140,000 feet. Wow, that's getting up there. Exactly. And then uh, um, it would, it would you know, change its propulsion and continue to go and go. And the goal was that it would go up and dock with a, uh, like a space station. Wow. So this was one theory of what we were looking at or what they were trying to promote was that, you know, it was some type of scientific uh, airship via uh, vis-a-vis balloon. Yep. And uh, but, you know, even the governor at the time uh, out there had one of these things fly over her while she was out on her deck or behind her house. Oh, uh, him. Yeah. Yeah. Governor. Uh, I can't think of his name, but uh, I have oh, it here. You're it's, right. It was a man. It was a man. Fife, yeah. Fife Symington. Yeah. Symington. That's yeah. It. And um, so so we're going to remind me to come back to Fife Symington. I okay. want to tell you a little bit more about this. So. So these things, this one never got that high, right, this particular one. But they talk about the fact that some of these, um, looking for the name here, bear with me, um, have gone up uh, nearly that high, other designs. So they say there was one airship that ever reached any altitudes like that, and that was called the Tandem airship, which flew to 95,000 feet above the Earth. In mm-hmm. 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was another one called the High Sentinel, which flew to 74,000 feet in 2005. Yeah, but at that time, these things were seen at very low altitude. Some people got a look at these things when they were moving around. And, I mean, they could physically see the shape and whatnot moving over them. Well, and Bill, see, well, what I'm saying is, is that they had this thing. It looks a lot like it. This is what we're reading about. Who knows what really happened? Oh, I got you. You Yeah, I got you. So if if I'm not saying it was this one. Right, right. But I'm saying if they were playing with stuff like this back in the 70s, maybe they have something like that now. Yeah, well, I remember Art Bell. Uh, from coast to coast, uh, AM, way back when, commenting on he and his wife. He lived out in Pahrump. Uh What is that, Nevada, New Mexico? I don't know what that is. I thought you said Harumph. <laughs> yeah, Pahrump. Uh <laughs> I think it's in New Mexico. That was know. where he. That was where he lived. Okay, I don't know that place. Yeah, and he and his wife were out in the desert one night, and. Uh, I guess he was neither here nor there as far as believing. But this thing floated over him and his wife at dirt slow speed, blocking out all the stars. It was enormous. And that converted him uh, and his wife to full-blown believer uh, in some type of technology that is just off the charts, unexplainable. So no noise, super slow, gigantic. Right. 
And that's exactly what this thing was over uh, Phoenix. It was yep. tremendous. Tremendous. Some, so, some, some people estimated that thing was like a mile wide. Oh, I know. And we've seen them in other places, too. Similar yep. type things. So there's also, uh, in this article, they talk about the, pl- the fact that there's this theory that um, you could take these airships, float them up, employ uh, some type of drag reduction system once they got up there really, really high, like outside of the atmosphere. Okay. And then fly them at way supersonic speeds, like Mach 10 and stuff like that in the upper atmosphere. Wow. And they talk about these things, you know, in these articles, Bill, and I'm sitting here thinking like, hey, you know me, I'm the Occam's razor guy. The most obvious solution to the problem is probably the answer Mm -hmm. and the idea that we could have you know black off the books lighter than air aircraft is not that far-fetched to me Mm -hmm. so maybe maybe that's what they saw back then and maybe this is some of the stuff we're seeing let me run this by you for a second hypothetically sure what would be the advantage to having super slow speed, gigantic objects floating over potentially adversarial uh, uh, lands, nations, airspace, when anybody could pull the trigger on the damn thing if it had substance, uh, framework, if it was a construct of man, anybody could fire at that thing at will and just blow it to freaking right, pieces. Right, No, no, that's a good question. But what I'm saying is some of these things could be very high-altitude platforms mm-hmm. that they're trying out. You know what I mean? They're flying them around down low in the dark. So, you know, you can't really see them too well. And uh, they're seeing how they go when they're not up at super high altitude. So this is like a low-altitude test flight, just kind of... Exactly, exactly. Uh, That would be my theory. But, of course, I'm way out uh, on the thin ice here, but it kind of makes sense. And then, you know, it comes back. While I was doing this, I'm going to shift gears on you. But while I was doing this, and we're going to come back to Governor Fife Symington, while I was reading about this, you know, I was also reading about all of those, uh, the more recent... UFO sightings or UAP sightings, right? Like uh, off of the Nimitz, off San Diego, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Where the Navy and Navy pilots see these things. They're documented. They're filmed. They don't know what it is. And there's some folks out there that I've been reading about on the web that are saying, you know, it really could be, again, using Occam's razor, this could be the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And they're not telling the Navy. And, you know, before you say that's ridiculous, I mean, if we had some super secret type of aircraft and we wanted to see what it could do and and uh, uh, why wouldn't we try it out against the Navy? Yeah, try it against our own best. And don't tell them. Yeah, and see how we match up. It's not like they're enemies, but, you know, it's like any other two different agencies in this case, armed forces, we know they don't always cooperate that much. Well, and there's no need to, and that's the whole yeah. purpose. That's the whole purpose of constructing or or working on projects with limited knowledge and people knowing on a need to know basis. It's a need to know basis. 
That's right. You can't be telling everybody involved in an exercise that no. you're going to be trying out this new black technology that no one knows about. Yeah. No, it's not the way it works. But, I mean, when you think about it, right? I mean, if you think about Occam's Razor, that theory, and you see these crafts like back there off San Diego where they're, there's something underwater moving really fast, something above the water, unbelievably maneuvers, can't see it on some of the radar. Mm-hmm. That, that definitely could be the Air Force. So, you know, I'm I'm starting to come back here in all of these things we're looking at in the sky, and I'm trying to think about the most obvious answer. And I know people will say, no, the most obvious answer is that it's extraterrestrials. And mm-hmm. it's not that I don't believe in extraterrestrials. I'm just saying probably a more obvious answer could be that it's us. Yeah, Kev. Well, you know, I sent you that... Uh video of that uh, robot firing the gun and getting knocked down and everything the other yeah, day. Yeah, 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 that was wild. I mean, let me tell you something. If if you could show something like that, we we probably got a Terminator army hidden in the garage somewhere. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> you don't mean in my garage, do you? Well, I haven't looked at it, but, you okay. know... <laughs> By the way, I need a new razor. Have you ever tried Occam's razor? <laughs> so then let's come back to Fife Symington and we'll wrap up with this. So okay. this is pretty interesting. This guy, and this also talks about, I know, I'm, folks, I apologize. I'm out in conspiracy theory land tonight, so forgive me. Um, but when you look at the videos of Fife Symington, he was interviewed a bunch of times during this period of Phoenix Lights, right? Like he's seeing it, he's filming it. He's he's saying definitely, you know, this is this is something, you know, a UFO of some sorts. It's not, you know, bears with flares and stuff like that or whatever. Um, but and then after saying all this stuff seriously, did you see the interview with him? It's pretty famous where he said that they found an extraterrestrial and he gets up to the podium and. Somebody comes out with like a, a an alien costume on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he pulls the hood of the thing off. Right. And there's this theory on that as well. Again, I'm out in uh, conspiracy land, but folks, especially those of you out there in Arizona, New Mexico, you know this better than I do. If you were around then, um, he pulls the hood off of this thing, and it's a big ha 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 guffaw. You know. It's one of his staffers dressed up like an alien. Right, And people right. were like, why did you do that? Because, you know, you're making fun of all of us that saw what you saw, and now two weeks later, you're making fun of us, right? Yeah. You know, yep. which is not not something a, a politician would normally do, right? Right, If you're the right. governor of Arizona, are you going to make fun of your constituents? Yeah, it's, it's not a way to gain brownie points, no, that's for no. sure. So there's this theory where he was being investigated by the federal government for crimes around the uh, failure of the savings and loans back then. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that said, you know, the government wanted us to cool off on this sighting out in Phoenix. So they told him, like, hey, why don't you you know, make a joke out of this so that it goes away, and then we'll think about that when we're processing the charges against you. Another conspiracy. Yeah. Wow. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and you know me, Bill. I'm not the conspiracy guy. 
But when I was reading about it, I was like, you know, that could happen because I couldn't figure out, like, why is a guy who's on the news talking seriously about this sighting and how it was definitely some type of a UFO, then two weeks later, you know, having a press conference, a real press conference, to, uh, you know, unveil some evidence, and it ends up being one of his staffers dressed up like an alien. Well, the flip side of that coin uh, that I could also see happening is there were no doubt a lot of people calling up senators, congressmen that were freaked out, maybe afraid, panicking, and maybe he was just trying to take the heat off of the situation with a little, a little levity, you know. That could definitely be. But again, you know, probably don't want to make fun of your constituents. Oh, I would. <laughs> That's why you're not the governor. <laughs> That's why you're not the governor, governor. Governor, can you say conspiracy? <laughs> well, that's a, an interesting little expose. The truth is out there. But yeah, but go to the website, folks, bigfootterrorinthewoods.com, episode 188, and I'm going to put up a couple of pictures of these crafts and they have a couple of illustrations of what they envisioned flying in space. And you tell me what you think when you see these. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. And comment on it. BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact yep. button and uh, tell us what you think. 100%. Pretty cool, brother. Yeah. And speaking of pretty cool, where do you hear this sighting? Uh, this account was told to me by Susan Patterson, not her real name. <laughs> who was on a hike in the Rocky Mountain National Park with her girlfriends at the time. Oh, I've been there. Kev, I can't beat you. I, I've been there. That's I've where, been everywhere. Uh, that's where the Stanley Hotel is. Yeah. At the yeah. entrance to Rocky Mountain National Park. Freaking awesome. Well, wait till you hear what happens to these chickies. All right. On the day I had my sighting, my girlfriends and I had decided to take a hike up to the fire lookout atop fire lookout station atop Shadow Mountain. The hike began from the Grand Lake entrance area. We soon found ourselves wrapping around the lake with Shadow Mountain in full view. In hindsight, I'd highly recommend wearing bug spray when you're walking near the lake. It was something that we did not have that day, and boy, did we pay for it. The mosquitoes were absolutely brutal at times as we were close to the water's edge. Once we were clear of the area, we started heading directly towards the mountain itself and ascending its trail. By the time we were midway up the mountain trail, we had already seen a bear and several deer as well as many chipmunks and what I believe was a mink or something of the sort. Once beyond the midway point, the trail becomes quite steep. There were a lot of trees across the trail that day, which made things quite difficult for us. Nevertheless, we had made it to the top. 
We approached the lookout with relief, but were disappointed. To our dismay, the tower's staircase was locked, keeping us from climbing up into it. Basically, it's a fairly short tower made from stone, with painted brown logs forming a deck on the t- a deck base on the top, upon which a small hut-like structure is attached to it. So we sat up there for about an hour or two, enjoying the views from every side of the mountain. It was actually quite breathtaking, and I would highly recommend it to anybody with a good pair of legs. The trees in this area are predominantly some type of narrow-growing pines, which I believe are a variety of spruce. A fair amount of them are dead, which creates a type of screen to the eyes as you're peering about on the trail. We had actually seen bears and deers walking about in this timber screening as we were on our way up to the lookout station. It gave the appearance of something walking behind a a stockade fence with every other slat removed. What I'm trying to do here is to set the stage for you visually for what we're about to see on a descent from Shadow Mountain. The three of us had just passed through the steepest section as we were making our way down the slope. It was right at that time when my girlfriend Trisha said, Look, guys, there's another bear down there. As we turned our heads to look, I think that Trisha realized at the same time that we all did that this wasn't a bear at all, but rather a Bigfoot. At first glance, this was an easy mistake to make because of the broken field of vision created by all of these dead gray trees. We were quite a bit higher than this creature that was walking through the trees down and away off to our right-hand side. We weren't making any noise other than walking. Otherwise, I'm sure it would have spied us out, but it hadn't. The Bigfoot, or this Bigfoot, was on a mission because it didn't stop for a second as it was walking. When we first saw it, I believe we were maybe three or four hundred feet away from it, and we were able to get some fairly good looks at it as it traversed this slope. The only way it could have seen us would have been to look up and over its left shoulder, which it thankfully did not do. At the place we were on the trail, there there was really nowhere to hide, so we just quietly stood our ground and watched. It was moving very quickly through the tightly packed pines, and we could see the treetops rocking back and forth as it parted them, making its way through using its arms and hands to clear the path. I would say that most of the trees in here were between, say, 12 and 25 feet tall. The Bigfoot measured up as being pretty damn tall in our estimation. It was an incredible sight to behold, and no, it wasn't a man in a monkey suit. One of the most bothersome things about having a sighting like this 
is the after effect of how you are received by your peers, having told them of your experience. Speaking for myself, I was as high as a kite for weeks after this sighting and anxious to tell everyone and anyone about what I had seen. But those euphoric feelings soon dwindled away as I saw and heard the reactions of those with whom I spoke. It's really a crying shame that people choose to be so ignorant about these creatures. However, that's coming from someone's perspective who had just seen one. I'm not sure how I would have reacted had you told me of your experience, but I'd like to think that it would have responded in a better way than most. What do you think of that, Kev? A little philosophical yeah. parlay? Well, it's that match all the time, you know, like uh, the mental wrestling match of if I tell people, like, I want to tell them, but what are they going to think? Yeah, we know that probably 89% of them are going to think you're a half a sandwich short, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mervis, you've been hitting a shine bottle again? Again? (laughs) Come on now. Come on now. Tell the truth, God listened to you. <laughs> now, I like the fact, I always like the descriptions, and this is why when I interview people, and those of you who know me, uh, when I've interviewed you, you know I want the details. I want to know where you were, why you were there, what the weather was like, what the terrain was like, the forest, the ground, everything. And I don't want to bore you folks with a lot of BS, pardon the French, but I do like to paint a picture and invite you into it. And I really enjoyed the fact that uh, Susan laid out the view through those thin trees, most of them that were dead, as being like a stockade fence with every other slat removed when you were looking. So it was just like looking through your blinds on the front of your house. Get right if you have blinds on your windows? Yeah, no doubt about it. You just kind of crack them open and you can't see everything, but you know there's a car parked in front of your house. Yep. So uh, really interesting, you know. The fact that, and again, Kev, how about it? I was surprised you didn't tell me you were up at that uh, fire station. <laughs> I remember I w- you. I would have went up there, but, you know, the gate was locked. That's right. <laughs> I remember when you were up at that granite mountain. Yeah, uh, and the one on uh, Spokane, where that you had that shape, Mount Spokane, where you had that shape shifting creeper, creeper Rama account. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was really. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what that was, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know either, but I don't want to meet it. Yeah, I don't want to meet it either, you know. <laughs> you know, Philip had said it was good that that man stayed on the ground, uh, having seen it from laying down, falling down like he had a heart attack or a stroke or whatever. Yeah. Because Philip's opinion was if he got up, that thing would have done him in. Yeah. He thought it was some type of evil entity. Yeah. 
that would have turned and has the power to uh, to harm. Fair enough, man. Yeah, so there you have it. Good, uh, good stuff, man. Good account. Another strange uh, Bigfoot encounter from the Rocky Mountain area. Rocky Mountain National Park, Shadow Mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when a lot a lot of stuff comes out of the mountainous regions, they like those peaks and valleys. They like the highs and lows for hunting, for hiding, for stalking. Yeah, well, and they like the streams, you know, food yeah. sources, lakes. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so you learn a lot through accounts about habits, and you also learn a lot that these are creatures of habit. Yeah. Find the food, find the animals. Find the water, find the animals. Find hiding, find the animals. You know, I mean, this isn't the Sahara. They like to sneak around, you know. Mm. They yeah. like to be stealthy. They like to have cover. So, uh, no doubt about it. So, what do we got today, Kevin? Our listener mail segment. Yes, sir. So, um, first one comes in from Dave, and it's got one of my favorite things in the subject Bigfoot, Dog Man, <laughs> and UFO sightings. 40 <laughs> years of this stuff. Yeah. And he says, hey, Bill, I've hunted for 50 years. I heard you on with George Norrie. I've called in a Bigfoot and a Dogman and was within 10 feet of a UFO with a famous football player that hunted with me. Life is not what it seems to be. (laughs) I know quite a few guys that sold their guns because of what is in these woods these days. <laughs> I still hunt, but I have changed the way I do it. <laughs> and he gives you your phone number, his phone number, and he says, I live in Oklahoma. Dave. Yeah, well, I've had a uh, couple of conversations with Dave already. All right. And... Uh, I think I'm going to have about a hundred more with Dave. Oh, all right. Yeah, really interesting uh, man. Uh, got a lot to talk about, man. Dave and, had me at Dog Man. Yeah, well, he's got they got stuff going on down there in Oklahoma, Kevin. This ain't the first I'm hearing of it. Oh no. But uh, there is stuff going on in Oklahoma. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that whole area, Oklahoma, Louisiana, uh, East Texas, you know, there is there is activity going down there, and it's a lot more than your average Joe aware of it. 100%. 100%. So you can imagine how people in New York would handle that. It wouldn't be the same. No. You know, these people are more open, eyes open to life and living that they can hear about something like this from a man of good character and say, wow, no kid." Well, and they get a chance to see it because they're not walking down Broadway holding their phone up to their face. Yeah, or getting mugged getting out of a taxi cab. <laughs> that doesn't really happen, does it? Yeah, it does. Oh. <laughs> My friend Phil said he wanted to come up to New York for a visit. I said, you better choose another place. 
You can come down to North Carolina. Yeah. Come on down to North Kakalaki. You'll be okay. When I said always carry more gun than you think you're going to need, I was talking about Manhattan. Yeah, you can't even do that, though. <laughs> you just don't tell nobody. Well, <laughs> all right, our next one comes in from Larry. Mm-hmm. He says, hi, Mr. William. I've enjoyed listening to your show, and I've heard you on Coast to Coast AM. <laughs> he says, I was wondering, are there... Are there any bad Bigfoot encounters in the southeastern U.S.? I live in southeast Louisiana, near swamps. The one uh-huh. encounter we had was a few years ago at Torreya State Park in Florida uh-huh. on the Chattahoochee River. Yeah. It's a very remote and isolated campground. We were staying in a yurt. The previous time we stayed there, the area was teeming with wildlife and you couldn't leave anything on the picnic table or the squirrels would get it. This visit, the first thing I noticed was the absence of wildlife, even birds. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. Later that night, something large hit the side of the yurt where we were sleeping. It woke me up and was high up on the wall so it wasn't a raccoon or a smaller animal. Mm-hmm. The next morning when leaving, we signed the guest book and saw a comment about a Bigfoot. Hmm. I laughed it off. Later, thinking about the incident, I checked the Internet and found a report on BFRO about a sighting in the area. Larry. Hmm. Well, Larry, as far as there are any Bigfoot down there, when was the last time you visited your mother-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> no, no so, but there's a lot uh, of creepy yeah. stuff down there. Yeah, and I uh, have an account from a couple that was doing a little, you know, half-day canoe trip on the Chattahoochee. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like where you, you know, they shuttle you up one area, you get in a canoe, you drift down like as far as you want to go, and then they pick you up, you know? Yep. And they encountered a uh, Bigfoot. I think it was a female with a little one. Uh, scrounging around in like a little mud flat or a sandbar. And when they drifted up on it, of course, you can't get any more stealthy than floating in the current in a canoe. Yeah. Uh, before these two things saw it, they saw them and had a really good view of them before them turning and getting spied out and darting back up into the bank and into the woods. Wild. But yeah, this stuff... Listen, man, there is a lot of activity uh, going on uh, in North America, and we get dribs and drabs of it coming in. Yeah. Uh, look at this account we just did on Shadow Mountain. Nothing overly terrifying. A couple of ladies out for a hike, climbing up. They have some elevation. They see something moving down below. Stand their ground. They thought it was a bear, not in a joking way. They thought it's a bear. What do you? I don't think your first shot would be Bigfoot if you don't no. have a clear view. No, I'd be the first thing I think is a bear for sure. Yeah, and then, but it didn't take them long to say, "Hey, wait a second, that's no bear," you know. And then they went right into what it really was. Yeah, no doubt so, about it. So you got to be open to the facts of what you're seeing. Don't try oh, to. I'm cr- with you. Don't try to create something out of nothing. I'm with you. So, uh, 
Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Kevin. All right. And our last email comes in from Sean. And Sean's subject is Bigfoot Bounty. Hmm. And he says, there's a gas station in Idabel, Oklahoma, offering a $3 million bounty on a Bigfoot captured alive. Would like to send you a picture of their giant Bigfoot cage they have displayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've heard of a bounty, not necessarily dead or, uh, I'm not sorry, not necessarily alive in Oklahoma before, in eastern Oklahoma. Um, but this is one for uh, a Bigfoot captured alive. Now, I'd like to ask any of our listeners, there aren't enough hours in the day for me to do everything. Somebody told me uh, a week or two ago that in North America, uh, now, again, this is why I'm asking somebody else to do the legwork. It might not even be that hard. Uh, I heard the killing of a Bigfoot was up to a year in prison and a million-dollar fine. Really? Has anybody ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of that, Kev? I've never heard of that. I wanted to know if it was any legitimacy, if that's the case in the state in which you live. Can you send me some documentation? I don't think it's a federal crime, you know, so it would have to be a local thing. Yeah, it's, uh, but it, or is this just a total uh, bunch of hokum? That somebody just threw out there, you know? Yeah. But, uh, hey, I don't know. There may be some places that take things more seriously than we do. You know, and it's always uh, the way in life, right? One state's government supports this. The other state says, no, we don't want that. (laughs) You know, we don't have any need for that. So I just wondered, folks who are listening... If you know anything about that, I'd like to see some documentation. Cool, so, man. Yeah. All right, Bill. Well, that's it this week. We did some high strangeness, a little bit of conspiracy theory, and uh, and a great Bigfoot account from Rocky Mountain National Park. Yeah, and uh, by the way, folks, if you've seen something, say something. Go to BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link, and I'll be in touch with you. And by the way, while you're there, make sure you check out these photos of these uh, V-shaped balloons, because I got a couple of them in the hangar, I got a couple of them flying, and then I have an illustration of them in space. And when you see these, you are going to be extra interested. So BigfootTerrorInterwoods.com, under episodes, under episode 188. Excellent, Cub. And by the way, my friends, if you should find yourself walking in the Rocky Mountains or anywhere else in the woods for that matter, you best remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs>